Welcome back to Mama Mystery. I am your host, Kelly, and I'm going to be recording today's episode by myself because there are some kind of upsetting stories that I know um, Austin doesn't usually do well with. So he is still going to record the good news or good positive message at the end of today's episode. So stay tuned for that. Um, But without further ado, let's just get started. Our first story today is out of Georgia, where a 19-year-old is recovering in a hospital after he was reportedly tied to a chair and forced to drink a nearly fatal amount of alcohol before he was dropped off at a hospital. According to Glynn County Police on March 21st, three minors dropped Trenton or Trent Learcamp at Southeast Georgia Health Center, gave the emergency room their names, and then left before police arrived. Trent reportedly had a high level of intoxication, but police said they did not notice any signs of injuries other than the presence of spray paint. He was reportedly forced to guzzle vodka and take mushrooms before he eventually passed out. Once he was passed out, he remained tied to the chair and the guys around him sprayed him with spray paint, a hose, and they also urinated on him. There was also a picture of him posted to social media tied to the chair with feces on his lap and multiple boys posed behind him for this picture. At the hospital, Trent had a blood alcohol level of 0.464 and could only take six breaths per minute. So he was put on a ventilator and placed in the ICU. The next day, Glynn County police executed a search warrant at a home on St. Simons Island and found evidence connected to their investigation. Police have reportedly conducted interviews with several of the teens there as well as Trent. A copy of the incident report shared by WSAV News says that Mark Learcamp, Trent's father, told police his son had been hurt in the past when he was socializing with this specific group of teens. He said on March 17th, Trent, quote, came home covered in WD-40, vomit, paint, glue, egg yolk, and spray paint. Another time, Trent seemed high or drunk and needed to get stitches because he had a cut over his left eye. Mark said Trent never returns home normal when he hangs out with this group of teens. Mark believes his son sees them because he has no other friends, and he thinks that he is accepted and with people he thinks cares for him. He also thinks that his son won't fight back because if he hurts them, he will get in serious trouble because he is considered an adult, but all the other kids are considered minors. The Brunswick County District Attorney's Office said in a statement on March 28th, they are researching criminal statutes and procedures so we can determine what laws are applicable to the facts. Neither of the incidents constitute hazing under Georgia law because it doesn't involve a school or institution. In total, 20 minors who were present at both of the previously mentioned incidents have been identified and the FBI is involved in the investigation as well. Trent's family said in a statement via police this week that he is, quote, transitioning and beginning the next step of his care. According to the GoFundMe, which has raised over $110,000, the most recent update says, quote, Trent has been transitioned out of the ICU. He will now begin the next stages of his care and treatment. And they also included in a past update that he does not have autism, as some outlets were reporting that he did. I'll continue to update on this story as new details emerge.
A 58-year-old man will spend a year and a half in prison for offering to pay thousands of dollars for a hitman to kill his own son, but he was caught after he dialed the wrong number. WJW-TV reports a Cuyahoga County judge, I probably pronounced that wrong, but you get the drift, sentenced Desmond Ramsey to 18 months in prison with two years of probation following his release. Court records show that Desmond pleaded guilty on March 6th to one count of aggravated assault, which was downgraded from an initial charge of complicity to commit murder. Westlake Police Captain Jerry Vogel told WJW that on October 13th, a small business out of Cleveland received three calls and two voicemails from Desmond, where he spoke about wanting to kill his son. Desmond added lots of expletives to the message, saying he didn't care, quote, where he at or what he doing or who he with, kill that blank. And I don't know what word was used, but it was an expletive, end quote. Vogel said that the number that Desmond apparently wanted to call was only one digit off from the business that he did call. At his sentencing hearing, Desmond told the judge he drank too much when he made the call and it stemmed from getting into an argument with his son. Desmond apologized saying, quote, it was a disagreement and I'm very sorry for what I did. He added, it shouldn't have ever happened. I wasn't being a father. Today's episode is sponsored by BetterHelp. The summer of 2020 was a rough year for me. I was going through a lot and discovered some things about myself that I wasn't expecting to find out, all thanks to a random gift someone sent me. Um, it completely rocked my world, and I knew if I'm going to get through this, I'm going to need someone to help guide me through these uncharted waters. And that's where BetterHelp came in. I got to know my therapist, and she got to know me. She helped me navigate through some really tough stuff, and I learned so much about what I was truly capable of. Getting to know yourself can be a lifelong process, especially because we're always growing and changing. Therapy is all about deepening your self-awareness and understanding because sometimes we don't know what we want or why we react the way we do until we talk through things. BetterHelp connects you with a licensed therapist who can take you on that journey of self-discovery from wherever you are. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists at any time for no additional charge. Discover your potential with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash MamaMystery to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash MamaMystery. This next story is tough to talk about, and I debated talking about it because it's just so sickening, but I realize it deserves to be talked about. I'm just kind of getting fed up with having to cover this so frequently. But on Monday, three children and three adults were killed during a school shooting in Nashville, Tennessee. The children were nine years old, Evelyn Dykehouse, Hallie Scruggs, and William Kinney. The adults were Cynthia Peak, a 61-year-old substitute teacher, Mike Hill, a 61-year-old custodian, and the head of the school, 60-year-old Catherine Kuntz. I'm not even going to say the name of the shooter because she does not deserve it. She doesn't deserve to be recognized or acknowledged. What she did was horrific, disgusting, appalling. She was 28 years old and apparently went to the school at one point as a child. 
Her own parents said that she was being treated for an emotional disorder, but also said they felt like she should not own weapons. So how on earth was she able to purchase seven guns legally from five different stores? Police found a manifesto that showed she intended to target the school, but nobody specifically. She entered the school by shooting through a glass door. Within 11 minutes, police arrived. 11 minutes feels like an extraordinarily long time to be in a school where there's a shooting. I just, I can't even imagine it. I get chills. My stomach gets upset. I just, I can't imagine this. But the moment that police started to arrive, they began entering the building without hesitation The shooter was upstairs at a second-story window shooting at police cruisers, and body cam footage from that day has been released, and it shows police entering the building with alarms blaring, lights flashing. They quickly found the shooter, and the moment they found her, they fatally shot her. And if you've seen the footage, it really is disturbing. And, you know, I've seen a lot of footage from other crimes or, like, pictures or whatever from crime scenes. Watching this just really, really upsets me. And it should. It, it, it should upset anybody who watches it because most of us do send our kids to school and you shouldn't have to worry about something like this happening while they're at school. I just don't get it. I really just don't get it. So apparently the shooter messaged an old friend on Instagram warning her about what she was about to do without giving specific details. She just said, quote, I'm planning to die today. This is not a joke. You'll probably hear about me on the news after I die. This is my last goodbye. See you again in another life. One day this will make more sense, but something bad is about to happen, end quote. So the girl that received these messages called the suicide prevention hotline and then tried calling the Davidson County Sheriff's non-emergency line but was placed on hold for seven minutes. When she finally got through, she was told a police officer would be coming to her home, but one didn't show up until about 3.30 p.m., which was hours after the shooting. Now, I commend this girl for doing everything in her own power to stop this monster, but she was failed, and so were the six people who lost their lives on Monday. So right now, I really just want to talk about the victims. Um, The first one is Cynthia Peak. She was 61 years old. She was a teacher at Christ Presbyterian Academy, as well as various other schools, including her own homeschool pod named Peak Academy, and continued to teach outside of school by tutoring students and instructing swim lessons. Cynthia's family released a statement saying, quote, our hearts are broken to confirm the loss of our beloved Cindy Peak. Cindy was a pillar of the community and a teacher beloved by all her students. Her favorite roles in life were being a mom to her three children, a wife to her husband, and an educator to students. We will never stop missing her. We are grateful for the hope of heaven. She never wavered in her faith, and we know she is wrapped in the arms of Jesus. Our hearts go out to all the victims' families as we grieve this horrific tragedy." Evelyn Dykehouse was nine years old. Her heartbroken family said that Evelyn was a shining light in this world, and they're completely devastated and are requesting privacy, as are the other parents. She was friends and classmates with another victim, Hallie Scruggs, who was also nine. Hallie was the youngest of four and the only girl. Her father, Chad, is the senior pastor at the Covenant Presbyterian Church, which shares a location with the school. He described Hallie as such a gift, 
Her aunt said Hallie had a love for life that bounded through her from her smile to her always on the go spirit. I can't even imagine, you know, as her dad being the senior pastor at this church where her funeral is being held today or tomorrow. I'm not, I'm not hundred percent sure. I can't even imagine that. I, I just can't. Will Kinney was also nine, and according to a family friend, Will had an unflappable spirit. He was unfailingly kind, gentle when the situation called for it, quick to laugh, and always inclusive of others. He loved his sisters, adored his parents, grandparents, aunts, and uncles, and was always excited to host friends of every age. Mike Hill was a custodian at Covenant School for 14 years, and the students there called him Big Mike. They loved him. He had seven seven children of his own, Marquita, Brittany, Shakita, Ebony, Joshua, Tawana, and Jeremy, and he had 14 grandchildren. He liked to cook and spend time with his family. Catherine Kuntz was 60 years old, and she was the head of the Covenant School. She was devoted to her family, her friends, and especially the children she cared for. She literally gave her life to protect the students that she loved so much. It's also because of her diligence in safety training that there weren't more victims. She underwent active shooter training, and the school practiced these drills and what they would do in this exact scenario. So when this occurred, the students were all locked in their classrooms, and the teachers knew what their headcounts were and where their students were. But when police arrived on scene, one teacher was outside to meet the first responders, and she said, the kids are all locked down, but we have two kids that we don't know where they are. So she was prepared from all those drills that they'd done in the past, and that is because of Catherine's preparation for something like this. I can't even imagine, you know, trying to prepare for something like this and then actually having to go through it. And as common as it is, this has become a very serious reality in our country. And I don't know. I don't know what to say. Nothing's changing. Nothing is happening. It feels like nobody in our government is really listening. This keeps happening and nothing, nothing has changed. I don't get it. Nothing has been done to better protect our kids, and it's terrifying. I will never be able to understand how the people in power in this country aren't willing or capable of enacting change that protects our children. And I don't care what side you're on. I really, really don't. It doesn't matter if you're Democrat, Republican, Libertarian. I don't give a shit. It doesn't matter. What is is it going to take to get this to stop? These are our kids. These are our kids. These are our kids. Like, what is it going to take? I have kids eight and nine. I have a one-year-old son. These kids that were killed were nine years old, third grade. I have a son in third grade. It could literally happen at your school. It doesn't discriminate. Nothing is discriminating where this could happen. You can have all the security measures in place. She shot through a glass window to get through the school or a glass door. I don't know. I don't know what it's going to take. Um, I don't have the answers. Obviously, prayers aren't enough. Something has got to change, and it really baffles my mind. It baffles my mind that uh, more isn't being done and that there's not, you know, this keeps happening, keeps happening, keeps happening. It's addressed, it's addressed, it's addressed. Nothing changes. I don't get it.
On Tuesday, a Pennsylvania man was sentenced to 3,000 years in prison for years of child sex crimes after he had been convicted of 13,143 felonies. Matthew Perry, 44, not the actor from Friends, was found guilty after a trial in Greene County Court in November for child sex crimes that spanned over six years. He won't be eligible for parole until the year 3,523. Greene County District Attorney David Russo said in a statement, quote, this is an unprecedented conviction and sentence and sets a milestone in the fight against sexual predators. I hope other district attorneys follow our lead and our mission to protect children. David Russo, who prosecuted this case, told Fox News Digital in a phone interview that this case was an example of how his administration is taking a more aggressive approach to deterring sexual predators from preying on children. Not all these rapes happened at once, so why charge them as one count? If someone thinks they can do something like this and only get 6 to 10 years or 6 to 12 years, then they're not worried about it. So that is why he pushed to have the charges filed for each individual incident. Quote, when we charge them this way, we can get longer sentences. We want to deter this activity and pr protect the safety of our children, David said. The six-year nightmare started when the victim was only five years old and finally ended in 2017 when her friend saw what was happening and told a school counselor in 2017. Perry was previously charged and convicted by the same judge last May to serve 40 to 80 years in prison for molesting a different girl between the summer of 2016 and March of 2017. And if you really want to get fired up, his 40-year-old wife, Cheyenne Perry, was also sentenced to three and a half to seven years in prison for recording sex acts and taking explicit photos and was ordered to register as a sex offender. So I'm assuming this means she was complicit and helped him. And honestly, with that many years, like, I don't know why we don't just euthanize people like that. All right, now let's transition into some more positive news so that we can go into the weekend um, with a little bit lighter energy. Austin? Feeling rejuvenated. I wasn't here for that episode, and I'm kind of happy. Yeah, you should be happy. It was, it was bad. All right. I'm ready for whatever message or news you have to offer us. Let's you go. You ready for this? Mm -hmm. Yes, I am. All right, so... This is a fairly recent one. Okay. Okay, this one's crazy. Okay. I haven't heard this, so I, you just take it away. Correct. Okay. So this Tuesday is 35 years from the day that my beautiful wife was born. Austin, it's Monday. My birthday is on Monday. Son of a bitch. <laughs> yes, Monday. I get my days confused. I thought it was Tuesday was the third. All right, so listen, Monday... <laughs> Marks 35 years from my beautiful wife was born, and my good news is to wish her a happy birthday, and I want all of you to wish her a happy birthday, and I want her to be overwhelmed with happy birthday messages <laughs> because I'm very grateful for you. Thank you. You're fantastic at this podcast. Thank you. Proud of you for staying with it for so long and killing it. I love you. You're the best mother ever. Are you trying to make me cry? <laughs> You're the best wife ever, and I'm very grateful for you. And I love you a ton. Thank you. So I want everybody to blow Kelly up with happy birthday messages on Monday, not Monday, Tuesday. not Tuesday. <laughs> last night, Kennedy was like, Mommy, are you enjoying your last days of being 33? And I was like, 
huh? She's like, because you're turning 34. I was like, uh, Kennedy, I'm 34. I'm about to be 35. The kids and I last night, right before this conversation, <laughs> made Kelly's birthday cards. And uh, they all say 34. That's okay. It's the thought that counts. Okay. And then I start off this thing saying Tuesday. But the point is, I love you very much. I'm very proud of you. You've done amazing with this podcast. You know, everybody, here's a plug. I have a podcast, okay? And it's not freaking half as good as Kelly's because she's been with it longer, and I'm trying to be as cool as her. So speed bumps with Austin Evans. I cannot deal with Uh, this right now. First, you get the date of my birthday wrong. You get my age wrong, and then you're like, also, here's my podcast. (laughs) It's not half of what Kelly's is. But anyways, all in fun. I love you very much. I love you, too. I hope you have the best birthday, and I hope you all blow her up because she entertains you all all the time. She entertains me. Oh, thank you. Is that is that your good news? Mama. Oh. Mystery. (laughs) Okay. Out. Bye.